God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Praise the name of the Lord, praise the name of the Lord. Good to be in the house of the Lord, amen. Good to feel the presence of the Lord. I appreciate all of you being here in the house of the Lord. I know um, what a great move of the presence of the Lord. And I, I know technically you all understand. You were demonstrating what I started speaking on this morning, but this is what we have to do is find ourselves connected to the presence of the Lord. This is what's purifying. This is what's cleansing. This is what will set us free. This is what will wash our garments. And it is next to impossible to do this without dying daily. And it is, that's the hour we're living in. Let's thank the Lord for what we felt. Thank the Lord for what he's done for us. We thank you, Lord, for your many blessings. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Thank you for your spirit. I thank you, Lord, for all that you've done for us. Bless each one that's here tonight. The name that is above every name, Lord Jesus. Praise God, praise God, praise God. You may be seated. Holiness in a dirty world. And I started that this morning and talking about how difficult it is in this hour to maintain a spirit of purity, to maintain that inner drive that says, I need to leave out of here. And I talked about the ducks that, you know, landed and decided they enjoyed the corn and they enjoyed what they had and they got their eyes and their mind off of where God wanted them to be in the air. Before long they lost the will to fly. They lost the will to do any of that and that's the hour in which we're living. It seems like it is so easy to find ourselves overwhelmed by the cares of life, by temptation, and by the enemy changing the value. And we gave out a little price tag for everyone. And I know that some of these younger folks have never seen anything like this. And uh, I was there when they went to a printed one and a sticker one, and uh, because you could change these out. And that was what it was used to be. Now they put a barcode on it and uh, you can't change it out. And if you go through Sam's, they uh, check you out and then they have somebody at the thing to scan it, to scan your receipt, to see if your receipt matches what you scan. And I get all of that and that's the hour that we're coming in. But it used to be that you could change the price. And it's almost like the enemy has done that at times to individuals and not let us realize the real cost of whatever I'm doing and what I'm going through and the real cost of sin in my life and the real cost of, of whenever I allow my flesh free reign and whenever I give in to the lust of the flesh, whether it be through pleasure of whatever kind and that sense of I my desires and, and it, it instills 
kills within me a desire that I have to have this or I need that or something. And I understand it, it's not easy. Uh, our flesh is not easy one to control and it has a lot of desires and it gets itself you know we whether it's uh, we get convinced and well I need this whether it's buying shoes or whether it's a, a, a quart of ice cream this will help fight my loneliness this will help fight my need for significance or if I go buy something this will help me and whatever and I, it's easy for that I need to have a little fun and I think the Lord would want me to have fun and I can go and I and I try to fill the, the fleshly cravings and if I just had a husband or a wife or a boyfriend or if I had a this, then I would feel fulfilled and then I would feel complete and then not only that but the lust of the eyes which kind of, you know, comes right along beside that and it, it kind of tells us, you know, great. Uh, Greed and envy and uh, this one has more than me and it's not fair and life's not fair and I wish I had this and I, I, I've seen folks that get stuck in that and, and they don't realize that the enemy is driving that from them and they forget to be thankful and forget to thank God for what they do have and what God has done for them and how God has blessed them and they, they get to feeling like you know all my life I've been cheated and all that my past I've had this and all my it's not fair if I wouldn't have had that it, you don't understand I, I I feel that I have not and the Lord talks about that in the Ten Commandments about being covetous and uh, about all of those kinds of things and yet what happened with the children of Israel in the Old Testament whenever they wanted as I told you leeks and onions and garlic and a few things like that and yet they were willing to go back to those people that you know, are going to blame them for the murder of their children in order to get onions. And yet, what they did was uh, amazing because I know we don't ever do that, but we get mad at somebody else who feel, we feel like could give it to us. And so what did they do after getting mad over an onion? They then got mad at Moses and said, it's your fault, Moses. If you wouldn't have brought us out here, we wouldn't have been in this problem that we are today. And I know that's sort of the lust of the eyes and then the pride of life and I could spend a long time talking about each of those to this young group that maybe have not heard so much about it but the pride of life is that very sense that somehow I deserve I, I I shouldn't be treated that I you don't know who you're talking to and preacher if you knew who I was I I I and I'm so thankful I don't need all of that and I know I, that was a sermon but that was for somebody else and it so happens that it can happen in the middle of a prayer meeting according to the New Testament where I look around and I go I I thank God I'm not as bad as that one over there. And what are you saying? Is it okay to thank God for what he's done?
done for you? Sure, but that whole comparison thing, you know what? God is my source of my strength, of my health, of my ability, of everything I have belongs to God. And you say, well, I, I have trouble, you know, I can't budget my money. It's not my money. It's God's money. I, I have trouble. I can't. It's not. You're making a mistake and you're getting the values messed up. What you're beginning to realize or think is that you control the value point and not the Lord. And that's where you get all uh, off track. So, you know, when you, when you look at all of this and you say, well, here we are that we have, you know, a, a sense of what's going on in our life. And, and, and I realize, you know, uh, it's been crazy and it's been conference and it's been stuff and here we are coming back and we've got Esther Joseph starts at 6 o'clock on Friday and uh, you know from 9 to whatever and and you know I, I, we had a, a, a little bit of round table Siobhan is not yet 9 she wanted to go and we said well next year you can come by and visit but you know I, I get it and, and whenever they're young they want to be there and then those from 9 to 18 you know I don't need this anymore I'm too old for that and I don't need that and I don't have time for it and I know it's busy and I got it but you know what every chance I get to be in the presence of almighty God whether it's starting on Friday night and Saturday and then end at you know noon and a service and be at the breakfast you what are you doing that for because in this hour I want to make sure my values are right I want to make sure my priorities are right I want to make sure that I know what's most important in my life yes, and I have already lived long enough to know that people usually make time for what they want to make time for and pride will turn love into bitterness when I feel like I've been wrong, pride will make folks feel like I don't deserve this and I, I get it and I, I read the verse of scripture this morning about talking about you know, what contradicts or what, what stops pride is a sense of humility. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. I need to worship. I need to be, be in the prayer room. I need God every chance I get. Well, you know, God bless you. You need all of that. Well, you know, if in this hour, if I, if I reach that point, I, I am in danger. I am in danger of getting my garment spotted. That you can say, well, I haven't done done the three biggies or the five biggies or the ten biggies or just like the rich young man in the New Testament who said I've kept the law, I've done it all and the Lord said oh great we'll sell everything you have and immediately he goes oh I can't do that. Why? Because somehow he really was had not kept it all. He had kept it all in his mind but that spiritual connection here was the invitation from the God of creation that said, join me. All you got to do is get rid of this. And he was sorry because he had too much stuff to get rid of. Oh, can you imagine? And I know 
it's us here tonight and I got it. But you know, I, I realize and Newark is full of folks that have had an experience or that know somebody in church and yet I've, I've got, you don't understand. I've got this going on and I've got that and this happens and I, you don't understand. I, I, I get it. I, I know we're all busy. We don't, you know, used to be the old days. Revival was the old, no rest night and we just came out of Brother Easter Revival and we just did it on service. I, I understand it's a different hour. It's a different day. But don't in that moment allow our, the enemy to change the value. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I'd rather be in the house of the Lord than anywhere else I know. You say, well, Joe Strand, I don't have that. Brother. I'm a pastor. I, I, you know, I've got other, I understand I've got everything else. But if I try to live my life in a vacuum in this hour, my garment is going to get spotted and I will not be able to be like I'm dressed in white because it's easy to happen to everybody. You cannot think that you're above that kind of sense of connection. In fact, that's why the Lord, you know, would challenge the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And I, this was the last slide that I had this morning. He said, I pray that you don't take them out of the world, but that you keep them from evil. And I am not in the world. Sanctify them through truth. Thy word is truth. And, and so that's what that sanctification, that washing of water by the word, the Bible says in another verse, what you were seeing around here tonight was young folks that were just saying as they poured out their spirit and they connected to God and prayed for one another. Beautiful. What are you doing? I'm washing myself. I'm washing my mind. Why? Because I go to school and my mind is is constantly being bombarded. I see what everybody else is saying is important and I see what everybody else is saying will fulfill me and I see what everybody else is saying is the necessary and I realize, you know what? What is really necessary is whenever I get a hold of the hem of his garment and I raise my hands and I let the Holy Ghost flow through me and I get my heart washed and my mind cleansed because in this hour I need a cleansing. I need a washing. I need that sanctification. And I know. You say, well, Jesus healed, and he did. He had compassion. He, had, he healed people. He fed people. He told parables about the Good Samaritan. He crossed gender and societal boundaries. He talked to the woman of Sychar. He had children. He, women, sinners, tax collectors, rich, poor. Kind of interesting, though, he never sought out the rich, if you ever notice that. He never sought that out. They sought him out, but he did seek women, children, all the others, but yet they sought Jesus out. And so anyway, yet here's what he tells his disciples. Matthew, the fifth chapter, ye are the salt of the earth. That means that salt was used at that time as a preservative to go on stuff that would potentially get bad. He said, you are the salt, you are the light. And we all know that you know, there is no amount of darkness that you can add to a lighted room that makes it darker. Did that make sense? In other words, light overpowers darkness. Every time. Salt 
ends up salting food. You know, you taste it. So he says, so let your light so shine before men that you, they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So well, how are we supposed to live and holy in this dirty, filthy world? The only way I know is to stay full of the Holy Ghost and let our light shine and let folks see somehow there's something different about you. There's something about you that's not like everybody else. There's something about you that's not like every other young person. Well, I don't want people to think I'm nuts. I don't want th people to think that I'm crazy. I don't want people to think I'm a holier than thou. I'm not asking you to be a holier than thou. But I am telling you that in this hour, it is it behooves us to be different. In fact, Jesus actually even told his disciples, he said it like this, I send you as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpent and harmless of doves. I know, and I mentioned to our some of the young men I was talking to this morning, you know, Lot had something in his heart that, you know, before he ever got to Sodom, and we can blame Sodom, Sodom and Gomorrah was what tripped Lot up. Let me tell you, it wasn't Sodom that got Lot. It was the lack of holiness he had on the inside. Because the Bible says he chose the well-watered plains. In other words, he looked around and he said, I want what's best for me. I'm not interested in what... Abraham, Abraham, what do you want me to do? He didn't, he didn't seek advice. Abraham, which way do you think I should go? Abraham, what do you think I should do? He didn't ask for anybody's help. He didn't ask, well, you know what? I need to stay close to you. I'd, I, listen, I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll tell our men, they won't be fighting with your guys anymore. We're happy to be here. I was back up in her, uh, you know. I, you brought me down here to be with you, Abe. Abe. Uncle Abe, I'm so thankful I'm here. I'll box my boy's ears. We're not going to have this kind of a problem. That's what he could have said. But you know what he said? Oh, wow, choice. Okay, I get to choose. I get to make a decision. I can decide. And the Bible said he chose the well water. You see, it was in his heart. And when he got there, then Sodom and Gomorrah entered his heart. And you, so what are you saying? <clears throat> That's why you need the body of Christ. And I know it's here and it's on a Sunday night. But if there was ever a time, I want all these young folks to know this. You need the church. You need the house of God. You need somebody praying with you. You need to be praying with somebody. You need these elders. You need your Sunday school teacher. You need the youth leaders. You need hyphen You need the pastor. You need an evangelist. You need all of this. Why? Because there's just something about it. If, if I'm not careful, it'll get into where I start thinking I'm the only one that controls my life. Oh, pastor, well, I'm mature now and I don't, you know what, I hope I never reach the point where I don't realize I need the church. I need the strength of the body. I need the house of the Lord. I need to be there. I need to be there for somebody else and I need to be there for the strength for myself. I was glad when they said unto me, I was glad when they, what a privilege to be in the house of the Lord. Oh, well, you don't understand. I need the word to convict us because it is so easy for 
worldliness, if you want to call it that way, and I sin, the world, whatever, to start impacting my mind and my heart. That's why the Old Testament Proverbs, my son, if sinners entice you, don't hang around them. We tell our young folks, be careful. You know, birds of a feather flock together. Be careful who you hang with. And does that mean, well, you say, well, does that mean I can't win anybody? No. But whenever they start influencing me and I'm not influencing them, we got problems on our hands. And Proverbs, he said, don't be envious against evil men. Neither desire to be with them, for their heart studies destruction. Their lips talk of mischief. What are you saying? Ephesians took up, took up the same sort of sense. It said, for you know that no whoremonger, unclean person, covetous man, who is an idolater, shall have any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words. Because of these things cometh the wrath of God. What are you saying? All of a sudden, he was saying that, uh, he said, uh, the wrath of God upon, uh, let's skip down, let me see. It's not Colossians, it's, uh, there it is. The wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be therefore be not ye therefore partakers with them. For you were sometimes darkness, but now are the light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the Spirit is all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. I want to tell you, we have a world you don't have to get very far on the news and say this is a shame to even read. But all things that are reproved are made manifest in the light for whatsoever doeth good doeth well, whatsoever doeth maketh manifest is light. What are you saying? I am saying that we are seeing a world and a society where it just seems like the covers have been ripped off of everything from the political realm to the college admission realm to the this realm to that. What are you saying? Oh Lord, we're living in the last hour and the light of the Lord is shining like never before. I, I pray Pray that we will let our light shine. Don't be afraid of taking a stand. Don't be afraid. You know, it's in the hour when you know you say, "Well, I don't want to offend anybody." Good. I'm glad you feel that way because the the Lord had him he, twice. Paul wrote to the Corinthians and he wrote to the Romans about eating meat. And there's a whole discussion on eating meat because there were some people that ate meat and that been sacrificed to idols and and maybe whenever they had gone through it was donated meat and so uh, the priest could sell it cheaper well after it had been slaughtered then uh, what meat was selling for in the market so here it was I bring in a, a, a lamb and I offer it to an idol and it's free and so the, the temple butcher shop had meat cheaper than the local farmer had meat you know and so a 
person would then go and buy the cheap uh, mutton and they would serve it. And then there were those that got offended because they said, I don't want to eat meat sacrificed to an idol. And Paul has a long discussion, Romans 14, Romans and in Corinthians. And he talks about, you know, don't wound those that are weak and don't want to eat the meat. And he goes through all of this because we are supposed to love one another and we don't want to offend one another. And he says, don't despise. You can read it in Romans, the 14th chapter, in the 15th chapter. Don't despise those that don't eat. Don't judge somebody else. Don't judge another man's servant. And he is trying to explain all of this to him. You know, don't judge. Don't be quick to point out, well, that one's bad and this one's bad and that one's wrong. What he is saying is make sure you're staying full of the Holy Ghost and you're staying cleansed and that you're staying where you need to be. Don't try to make sure you're policing everybody else. You say, but they're doing wrong. Yes, that may be, but God will deal with them or whatever. And so he says, don't judge and don't please ourselves at all. But when you read it all very carefully, when he gets all through, Paul says, and that's in 1 Corinthians 8 chapter, Romans 14 and 15, when he gets to the 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, he says it like this. What say I then? What's the conclusion of all of this? He said that the idol is anything or that which is offered in sacrifice to idols is anything. But I say that the things with the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I would not that you would have any fellowship with devils. In the midst of all this, he said, just be careful because some things carry a spirit about them. Yeah, yeah. That's why, you know, we can say, oh, well, this, you know, what's the big deal? The meat, blah, blah, blah. That's why, be careful what you look at, be careful what you see, what you do, who you associate with, because some of them have a spirit connected to them. And that's where it's different. And that's what Paul said. He said, I don't want you to have fellowship with devils. He said, in fact, you cannot partake of the Lord's table and the table of devils. And then he sums it up by saying this, all things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but everything doesn't edify or build me up. What are you saying? There are some things that we have to avoid just simply because we shun the very appearance of evil and we know there's a spirit associated with it. It's not because inherently it's bad or wrong, but if I'm going to keep myself unspotted in this hour, I've got to say there are things that I can't do, can't watch, can't go, can't be a part of. You say, well, I, 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 you know, I'm not worshiping the devil. Well, when you sit, when you know someone else, it's got an attitude or a spirit and you want to say, well, that's my best friend and I don't want to offend them. Be careful. The spirit that you're associating with because I'm sorry, but typically the good doesn't cleanse the 
evil unless there is a washing. Let me just give you a, an example. If you take your toothbrush and run it around in your toilet bowl, the good clean toothpaste doesn't make the toilet bowl sparkly and clean. Huh? And most of us wouldn't just put it back in uh -huh. because the bad That's why we tell you, be careful, young folks, because easy for the bad to impact the good, harder for the good to impact the bad. Unless you got the toilet brush out and scrub the toilet bowl and all that. I'm just saying, what are you talking about? I'm telling you, there's got to be a washing and a cleansing. All things are lawful, but all things are not considered. So what are you saying? And to sum all of this up, and I'm, I'm done. My time is up. I, I've already grossed everybody out. We're, we're, you know, we're going home and throw our toothbrushes away and buy new ones tonight just in case somebody went nuts while pastor was preaching I got it here's what there's just numerous verses in the New Testament he said of things that were wrong he said it's always wrong to be conformed to the world it's always wrong to speak unwholesome words it's always wrong to grieve the Holy Ghost. In other words, if something I'm doing doesn't let the Holy Ghost flow free through me and make me feel better in the Holy Ghost, and I feel bad afterwards, stop it! You don't grieve the Holy Ghost. It's always wrong to be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord. I don't want to tell him. I don't want anybody to know I'm an a Christian, apostolic. I don't want anybody to know I'm different. I don't want anybody to know I don't say those things, don't go those places. I'm just going to smile. It's always wrong for that. It's always right. It's always right to love one another. It's always right to set your affections on things above. It's always right to let the peace of God rule your heart and mind. It's always right to give thanks to God and everything. It's always right to rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice. What are you saying? In this hour before the coming of the Lord as pastor, I'm here to tell you, I, we, we've got a full-time job to stay out of the mud. It is so easy. You don't even have to know whoever it is to let a spirit transfer from a car of somebody you don't know to your car. Just let them get too close, tailgate, flash their lights, flip you a sign. Huh? And immediately, whatever spirit they had, I have it. Huh? Just let somebody look at me wrong, not shake my head, offend me, 
upset me. Boom! Immediately. How dare they? You've offended me. And what are you saying? In this hour, we have the love for one another. And I, I, I feel it in this church, but I want to tell you the unity, the presence of God, the worship that we had here tonight, that's what's going to keep us unspotted in this world. It's the only thing that's going to be enough to keep me washed and cleansed in my mind. Oh yeah, you have to set up some boundaries for the flesh and you'll have to set up some boundaries for the eyes. You'll have to set up some boundaries. You'll have to have somebody around you that'll look at you when you're a little off track on the pride of life and say, hey, cool your jets. You ought to be thankful today. You ought to be thanking God today. Well, but I can't believe they did not mention me. They didn't talk about me. They didn't. Uh, you know what? I'm just privileged to be in his presence. I'm just thankful I'm here. Oh, what do you say? God, I believe, is coming soon. I believe the bride is making herself ready. I am so excited about the hour in which we're living. God is moving in a mighty way. We're going to stay. We're going to come. Oh, hallelujah. I appreciate these young folks praying. I appreciate them worshiping the Lord. You say, Pastor, I don't know what to do in this world. You keep loving God. Ask the Lord to change your values. Ask the Lord to move and touch you. Hallelujah.